So welcome back to Things You Learn in Therapy today, y'all. And I am your host, Dr. Beth Tremel, and I'm a licensed psychologist and an associate professor of psychology at Indiana University East. And I uh, really love meeting new people and I love sharing uh, mental health uh, thoughts or mental health advice for folks because I know there's such a need for great resources. And so this podcast uh, and all the episodes here, I'm aiming to introduce you to the work of so many great clinicians. And I have another amazing clinician here with me today, Dr. Kelly Savory, and she's going to talk with us about uh, just some of the most amazing things. In fact, I have to tell you, this has been one of my most I've been the most excited about getting to do this interview because of some personal connections I have that I might share with, uh, with listeners. One last reminder, I just want to remind folks that uh, this episode and all the episodes are not meant to replace therapy. We all, every person that I've had on here, we know that um, you can't get well by just listening to a podcast. It can help in getting well in a lot of other ways um, on, on top of the, the work of individual therapy. So if you're a person who's struggling, please reach out to a therapist, a psychologist, uh, a counselor, somebody in your area. But for now, let's get into this because I can't wait to talk about trees. Oh my gosh. Okay. Dr. Kelly Savory, please introduce yourself to listeners and tell us one fun thing about you. Cool. Hello, everybody. I am Dr. Kelly Savory. Um, I'm a licensed counseling psychologist. I'm currently based in the UK in Manchester, um, but I was originally born and raised in Bermuda, so I'm an island girl for life. Um, right now, I work mainly with people who have survived some form of trauma, so sexual abuse is my specialization, um, and I have a really big interest in kind of using trees and nature as ways of learning and guiding our lives. So I talk a lot in my therapy about how we can learn from trees, how we can become grounded and stabilized and um, really learn from nature in order to help us feel better about ourselves. Okay, so you gave us, you know, three or four fun facts. Were those included in your introduction or do you have another fun fact? Um, okay, fun fact, fun fact. Um, okay, <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. No, it's yeah. not. <laughs> I can feel it. Um, sometimes I talk to my plants. So fun fact, you know, you know, have a chat with your plant. I don't know if there's research, but there's people who wholeheartedly believe that if they talk to their plants, they grow more successfully. I really believe it. And I think it's something about the kindness, the compassion, the attention, and then, you know, the science in terms of the exchange of the carbon and oxygen but so it's like a science but also I think trees and plants and, and nature it's all about relationships and connection and so I think that connection helps them to to feel better and they help me to feel better I think I'm gonna have to set an alarm on my phone to talk to my plants every day because maybe that's what's wrong I, my I, I'm a plant killer oh gosh okay a plant killer I got you I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be, but I just, I love them. And I, I probably spend more than I should because I should just, I, yeah, I can't figure out the right ratio of water. I overwater or underwater. I don't know. Anyway, your voice is brilliant and soothing and wonderful. Maybe I'll just 
I'll pay you to call uh, every so often and just talk to my plants for me. I talk to them. Maybe it's just that little bit of love, you know, that that little bit of a extra attention that they're missing. You know, you'll notice and you'll look at them. You'll have a chat and you'll be like, oh, you need more sun. And then you naturally move them to a different part of your house. Or you're like, oh, mm, I may have overwatered you. You you look a little bit too yellow. I can see that I need to change something. So I, I, I guess it is about that, that attention, the care that it reminds us when we're having the conversation with them as well. Okay, this is leading us right to where I think we're going uh, today. And uh, so folks, when I kind of reached out to clinicians, I asked folks kind of what their specialty was and what they wanted to talk about. And uh, Kelly, your response was, I want to talk about how trees are connected to humans. And I was immediately struck because I have always just felt connected to trees. I I can't ever really explain it to people. And so I'm hoping that you can help me and everybody else uh, understand that connection that we have uh, with nature and with trees. Yeah, I get that. And I would say that I've always been quite similar, you know, growing up surrounded by like green edge, foliage, um, water, and that it's almost like for me, the trees like anchor me, they're like a, a talking a communication, a, a solidness that's always there, no matter where you are in the world. I think it's great. And even if you don't necessarily have trees in your backyard, it can still be a grounding, um, it can still be a grounding piece of, of nature for you. Yeah, on image or, you know, a houseplant, you know, it could be any sort of connection to nature in that way that feels really important for us as humans. So when you talk with folks kind of practically about this, right, how does it come up in session when uh, you talk about trees and nature? (laughs) That's a good question. Well, it used to come across like, oh, Kelly, what are you talking about? Are you sure I should see you again? (laughs) Are you, are you? But um, I guess now the name of my practice is Taproot Psychology. So people kind of expect me to I think or know me enough or learn about me enough before they come to work with me to know that it's an interest of mine and so the reason I picked taproot psychology because it, it talks about how with certain plants you need to have a taproot in order to survive so it, it's a metaphor for strong roots um strong roots stability grounding which then leads to growth and development and so I think that's the first way that I would start to talk about this or introduce this to people thinking about okay so what where are you from like where are your roots what's your heritage like who are the people around you but also how and what do you do to help yourself feel more grounded and stable I love that and it sounds like it is equally a passion for you professionally but also this idea of staying grounded is also a passion for you personally yeah, definitely. I, I guess it's because for me, you know, as a therapist, there, I can't do what I do. I can't live my life as a person without having the stability and grounding. Because how can I show up? How can I be present and be in my relationships if I don't have that that solidity in myself? So if I'm a person who's coming in and, you know, I'm like, I don't really understand what it means to be grounded in 
you know, who I am or who my, my family is, or maybe I don't even like my family. How can I stay grounded or rooted? Or how do you help folks when they're kind of in that scenario? Ooh, now that's a good question. Cause it, it's that, um, for me, what came up is, is thinking that sometimes when we think about stability and grounding, we go to our head, we go to our mind and not the words. Whereas when I think about stability and grounding, I start with the body. And I mm. think about like the first, for me, the first step of finding our roots and our stability is just simply putting our feet on the ground, you know? And like, even right now I'm barefoot, I'm sitting and I have two feet on the ground as I talk and engage with you you all as you listen and it's the the body the the feeling of the ground beneath my feet that allows me to then feel balanced enough to be able to be in this conversation so yeah it's really present focus too I love that you are like yeah so we're mostly looking for grounding in our thoughts right we're like well who am I and where am I from and who is my parent and who were they and how does it impact who I am? But really you're saying it is, um, it's, it's sort of more basic than that almost where it's more tangible, even where it's like literally right here in this moment, I'm grounded in this moment, in this place, in this space. Yeah. Because when we become in alignment in that way, and like rooted in that way, when we have our feet on the ground, when we have checked to make sure we've eaten today you know we have our nutrients we we can breathe we expand our lungs and make sure we're here and solid we have our water we're hydrated we're sleeping when we have the basics of being able to be able to be present then we can move to our thoughts our traumas our experiences our lives but if we don't have the that solid grounding we're not gonna well, in my experience, we, we might not have enough of the stability to be able to do the thinking, right? Because as soon as we think, we'll get flooded by the thoughts or we'll get overwhelmed or we'll have the feelings or get swept away in it and lose connection with the present. I think it's brilliant. And I want to just reiterate this idea of, especially with folks who have trauma or who've had experiences that they maybe don't want to think about again or they are worried about um, whether it's future or past, right? I think what I find in, in my experience, it's also people avoid thinking about or re-experiencing any of those negative things because they're worried they're going to get lost. They're going to get overwhelmed. And so I think what you're saying is that this grounding, uh, this sort of being rooted is our our safe place back, right? So if we're rooted, if we can stay here and stay present, we can always come back to this if we start thinking about or doing, is that what you're saying? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. But so it's that by being rooted, by by being able to know how to center, it, it doesn't matter if we suddenly get caught up because we know we can come back to ourselves. We know that we have a solid foundation to return to and that security in ourselves. And it is not dependent on anyone else or anything else, right? It, it is us. It's our body. It's our, our way of being. So good. Okay. So 
as we were chatting a little bit before, you um, also sort of mentioned trees as sort of social beings and how we relate to other people that that also sort of mimics trees. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. I mean, did you know that trees love? And no, that trees, you're, sorry, Beth is like nodding her head, like shaking I, I know how many moments I'm going to have where my mind is blown today. I just am ready for it. Trees have emotions. They have fear. They feel love. They grow better. Um, if you think about forests, they grow better in network, in communities. They like, um, I'm just thinking of this image, sorry, I realize you can't see in my mind, but this image of two trees growing together and bending and like, you know, trees are stronger together because, you know, what we can't see by looking at their branches and their trunk is that underneath the ground, the roots are often in networks and they're connected and they're sharing nutrients and carbon and water. And like older, more mature trees, they actually help younger trees to grow. You know, they, they share and they, they speak and whisper and communicate with each other. So um, a good example of this is like if a tree is under threat, if, if a bug is coming or something and it's attacking one tree, what the tree will do is it will release a message through its roots to the other trees that's in its network to prepare and get ready. And so they're always working in community. And when I learned about that, I was like, wow, you know, they help each other. And that's what I try to really encourage everyone that I work with to do is like, let's learn about how we can build your network, your connection, your your ability to have someone to lean on, because that is one of the most important things for well-being. You know, as as I think about this and I think about how powerful it could be to use in therapy, right? I think immediately I come with, you know, 10 or 12 different ways that that can relate to who we are as humans, right? The networking, the social, uh, you know, connections, the protecting other people, the, you know, the need to be in community. I think I'm sure you use that brilliantly in, in um, you know, 10 or 12 different ways. I think the other thing I thought about too is for those of us who, um, you know, maybe are more connected to trees or those of us who aren't trees, nature, it's not that hard to find. And if you live in the city, you know, most folks who live in the city may have a a house plant or, you know, even a fake tree for that matter. For me, it's the visual cue. So I think the power of therapy is not necessarily only in the one hour session that you have a week, but it's in all the work that you do in between sessions. And so for me, I wonder if using an analogy like the trees is so great because every time I look at a tree, after Dr. Savory has told me about this connection, it almost triggers this healing moment in me over and over if I pay attention to the trees and can like kind of include that moment in between sessions. I'm not in my head like, yeah, uh, like for me, it's an anchor, you know, in, yeah. my, in my life, it's my anchor. It's my visual anchor of positivity and a way that I resource myself and a way that I, I constantly, I might be overwhelmed. I might be stressed. I might be in a place I've never been before. And my eyes might, might meet a picture of a tree because they tend to be around or see a plant or an image on actual tree and I, and I remind myself be like a tree you know get my roots put my feet on the ground take my breath 
open my branches and extend like so many ways of being connected as a human and that connection to nature that allows us to sometimes get there. So you just said like trees are, or trees are my anchor, right? And then as you were walking through, I was picturing almost this ritual that you just kind of described where I don't know how often you do this, but maybe you can share that. But you, you kind of said, I kind of sit down, I put my feet on the ground, I take my deep breath, I extend my branches. So I'm like picturing you, you know, in your living room or in your office and you sit and you put your feet down and you bring your arms out. Like, is that a ritual that you do and that you recommend with folks? Yeah. You know, it's a stretching, isn't it? It's a, and it, it, sorry, I went straight to the, the trees and the expanding, but yes. it, it's definitely a uh, prepare for myself, for my day, for my life, for any big events, or even when I just need a quiet moment, right? Yeah. Because sometimes it's not going to be expanding. It's going to be time for rest. And, you know, trees also teach us that because in the winter they go dormant and they lose their leaves and they take some time to restore. And so it's that, like, sometimes it's going to be about expanding and growing and um, being in community. And sometimes it's going to be about restoring myself, like giving myself what I need and resting. So I, I, I mean, I love this. And I think the idea of kind of grounding yourself, having an anchor, really being intentional in, in all kinds of moments throughout your day or whenever you kind of need it. For me, it's also kind of akin to that, like power pose, you know, like some people have a power pose. Yeah. Some people have sort of a, a tree anchoring metaphor that when we look at trees and we're mindful of that. So it seems like it's almost like, okay, we have this expanding and growing portion of trees and anchoring, and then we have this dormant and restful. And so do you encourage folks to take almost a different posture in that? Or how do you talk about this dormant restful phase with folks? Well, I think that's a great idea. And I might start to do what you just said in terms of taking the, the pose, because when I was there, I was like, oh, that's, that is fascinating. And, you know, I do use a lot of body movement, but I haven't connected it with the tree yet, but I could see how you would. The way that I, I tend to use it now is through the reminder of rest and the importance of self-care. So I feel like sometimes we almost need permission mm. to take a break. Mm. It's, it's like, I don't know why, but we need permissions to, to allow ourselves to rest. And what bigger permission giver is that of nature? Like if every part of civilization, of community, of the world needs rest, even your tree outdoors, why can't you? And that's how I would think about it. So it, it's reminding people of the, the bigger connection and relationship between themselves and the world around them. I read a book Oh, and now I can't remember what it's called, but essentially it was talking about kind of the rhythms of uh, the seasons that, you know, in certain parts of the world, we get different seasons. Um, some parts of the world, we don't necessarily get those seasons as, as distinctly, but that those seasons should match kind of the rhythms of our, our lives and our bodies and how we expend and we save and energy and we expend and we, um, kind of save moments for rest. And, and so do you kind of also incorporate that sort of like rhythm based 
philosophy. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but. Yeah, no, I think that what you just said about the the energy, like giving and expenditure is a really helpful exercise to do with people or to do with yourself. So thinking about what are you putting in your body? What are you giving out and what is left over and what are you sharing? And that a really intentional um, awareness of how we balance our lives. And so I can tell you a story. So as an island girl in Bermuda, we don't really have a seasons. So we don't have the, we, okay, no, let me amend that. We do, but we don't have the, the leaves changing color. And like, so the, we don't have a constant reminder. Whereas my life in the UK is so different where I'm like, oh my goodness, the season has changed each time from I put on my winter jacket. And again, it's that physical reminder to actively think about my rhythm, um, the, the lack of light I'm currently consuming, and how I can then adapt and account for and create what I need. So it is about the seasons. It is about knowing that as a human, we're going to need different things at different times and allowing the adaptability of that in our lives, the flexibility. So as we kind of talk about it, it seems kind of uncomplicated to just kind of continue to come back to the moment, stay grounded, continue to, you know, figure out what is keeping you from being anchored in in kind of these moments. And then this idea of this rhythm and how we are always kind of bending and swaying to, to even kind of use the, the metaphor of the trees here. But when I think about what keeps us from doing that well, I can think of a lot of things that keep us from doing that well. And I know your expertise is, um, is working with folks with trauma. And so what are some of the things that you see that kind of keep people from being able to do this well? Yeah. And I'm just thinking for a moment, just pausing. And I think this is tricky, right? Because yes. we live in context. Yep. We live in context. And so sometimes we have a lack of choice. So I, I, I think that and when I say a lack of choice, I mean, I don't want to underestimate our, our surroundings, our environment, like where we are at. Like, unfortunately, in our, in our culture, we have to work. We have to be able to survive. And so for me, that that is a barrier sometimes because yeah. we're always making choices or negotiating our, our needs, which might be different from a different sort of need of being able to live. So it's still a need. It's just what is most important for us in that moment. And so it means that sometimes we make, we make sacrifices and sometimes we can process our trauma, sometimes it's too difficult because we don't have the resources around us to let us and to allow us to do that. So for me, that is a massive barrier and I don't ever want to minimize or not acknowledge that with people. I think it's so good and such a good reminder for folks who may be listening that while we um, know, you know, some of these some of these strategies may seem uncomplicated. We are not suggesting that they're easy no. in any way. Right. And I think, I think about my own life. Um, perhaps you, you think about your own life where it's like, I know what I probably need to do is find space for rest, but I have 
20 things on my to-do list. My kids are coming home at three o'clock and I only have four hours to do X, Y, and Z. And then the chaos of having my four kids at home ensues. And so I, I guess the, the reminder here is to have some compassion for ourselves, knowing that even if we know the right thing to do to keep us anger, anchored, sometimes, like you're saying, kind of context and situations of surviving and, and just getting through the day may keep us from doing that. And, and that's okay. Just today is about getting through today and as many moments as you can gather, mm-hmm. stay grounded and anchored. And when you have to get out and do all the things you got to do, just know you can come back. That's what it is. And I guess the other thing that Trace teaches is like patience and time. You know, they they have, you know, the oldest tree is like over millions years, millions of years old. Like, you know, it's, it's not like they wake up with this inherent wisdom. Well, some of them do. But at the same time, it's about patience to learn and grow. And, and so even though, Sometimes it's hard. We can learn to adapt and be flexible and compassionate on that journey as well. Okay. You just said that patience word. And that's probably like one of my, I just really don't do that well. (laughs) Don't do that well. Okay. Don't. I mean, I just, I, if, if I have something in my head or if I have something that I want to do, it's like, it needs to happen like right now. I, it's hard for me to even settle into patience. And I think what I've learned over the years about myself is that I I get stuck in my head with that. If I know it's something I have to do, or it's something I want to do, it's like, I can't get it out of my mind. Even if I write it on any one of the hundred note cards that are on my desk (laughs) with all of my to-do lists for (laughs) forever. So this patience thing really is a challenge for, for me personally, but, but I think for other people too. So when we live in a world that is go, 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 we value people who produce a lot of things, who do a lot of things, who don't rest well. We, we, I mean, we sort of praise those folks. We definitely do. What do we tell people? And, and maybe just, Hey, put, put, put myself on the clock here. What do you tell me, Dr. Savory? I tell you, well, what's more important in your life? Mm-hmm. I, I ask you to to really deep dive and ask yourself, what do you really value? And is it about tick box and is it about getting it done or is it about getting it done in a way that is helpful, beneficial, and in a way that you you need? And so, yes, the patience is really, really hard. And I... I'm kind of like, I have moments in my seasons where I go faster and then I might rest. And, and so it goes by your clock as well. But in general, the patience is about like taking that breath, again, putting your feet on the ground and just asking yourself when your mind is going, why is it going there? Is there something else more important that I need to be thinking about? Or is there something I actually need to do? Because that's the other thing. Sometimes it's just a reminder of the importance of the thing that keeps coming up. And maybe instead of putting it on the cards, we actually need to say, okay, my patience, my, this moment is telling me, actually, I need to prioritize this. Actually, I need to get it done. And that's okay as well. 
It's so good. What is my, what is important to me right now? And do I need to prioritize this now or can I prioritize it later? Yeah. Yeah. And just sort of put it into the other mental checklist somewhere else and just put it on a shelf for a minute. Put it on a shelf. It will be there. Where are we um, planting our seeds? So like what in this moment needs to be watered? What needs to be grown? What do we need in terms of nourishment and fulfillment? Okay. Tell me more about that. I, I love, okay. So I love, I, I use the planting seeds um, analogy a lot, with, mostly with parents when we're having conversations with our kids or our teenagers. Cause what I find um, is that folks want to plant the seed and they want to, you know, water it. And then they want to immediately harvest, <laughs> right? So they want to have this conversation. They want their teenager to take it all in figure out their personal plan for changes and then immediately implement their new personal plan, like all in a span of, you know, eight minutes. So talk to me about this idea of levels of energy and, um, you know, ways that we kind of tangibly use that metaphor. Well, I love that. For me, I think what you just said was key because it is, it's like uh, people expect it to come up in eight minutes and you think, and here's my, why can't it come on. But uh, the point of this is a reminder, how long does it take a tree to grow? Mm. And I think that answers your question. How long does it take to actually learn something new? I'm sorry. I'm (laughs) laughing because your question is so like, I can just imagine just being like, well, what do you expect? You know, how, how long do you think it takes to grow a tree? That's, that would be my answer, and that's exactly how I would say it. And that's exactly how I would encourage people to remind themselves about their plans, their, their intentions. Like, for example, if I'm planning something, for me, I want it done immediately, but I also know part of my process is I think about it, it's in the back of my mind, it, and it's growing without me paying attention to it. And mm. suddenly I'm like, oh, my goodness, this it's ready. It's ready. I'm going to replant it in a bigger pot. I'm going to get more resources for it. I'm going to figure out how to make it the best version of whatever it is, you know, but it always takes time, no matter what it is. I haven't had any experience where it just happens. And if it is, it's kind of out of luck versus like some people are just lucky. Some people are just lucky. I love that. Actually. It's like, yeah, sometimes it just works out, but it's not actually because it has been kind of growing and being nurtured and, you know, kind of pulling all of the, the pieces together in a way that that produce this kind of fruitful product. Yeah. And I guess with that, it, it makes me think about some of my thoughts around power and privilege and oppression and kind of really, again, all of this is in context, right? Like, because some people are, they're just really privileged and you know, I, I can show them um, respect and I can acknowledge that that is where they're at and they can acknowledge their inherent privilege. And I can also acknowledge that it might take me more time and that's okay. It's not fair, but I can accept it. This is so important for people to realize. And I think it can make folks really uncomfortable to pause, to think about um, and I know in my own life, in my own journey of, of realizing privilege in my own life, 
I was raised in a, a family that really valued hard work, right? And so the message was always work hard, work hard, work hard. And now that I am, you know, 41 years old, I'm realizing so much about most of the world is not work hard and you can do anything. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like, not, that's not a truth. No, it's not. It's like, uh, I'm going to pick on you Americans out there like that. Yeah, come on. (laughs) That American dream. You can be anything you want to be. And that is the biggest lie. Yeah. The biggest unhelpful statement that was ever publicized, I think, anyway. And I remember uh, the first time I started to think this way, it was my math teacher, actually. And and he came into our math class and he was like, I'm sorry, you're just never going to be a mathematician. And I was like, what? I was <laughs> like, my dreams. I was, not that I wanted to, but I was a bit like, take it back. And I remember going home and my dad like being livid and like, why would they crush you like that? And then the back of my head being like, actually, <laughs> I'm never going to be a mathematician. Like, he's right, you know? And over the years, really coming into a different relationship with that saying and kind of really questioning the reality of it. And as much as I would love that we would all be good at everything, we also have to accept our limitations, right? We're going to be better at some things and not at others. And privilege pays I mean, it plays a big part in how working hard is not the only thing that leads to opportunities. Yeah, it does. does. You know, I, I um, share with parents, don't tell kids that if they just work hard, they can be anything they want to be because it puts this unrealistic expectation on our kids to say, Hey, yeah, I worked hard on this math assignment and I got a D. I don't know. I worked hard to be, uh, you know, on the, in the first chair with a violin and they pick somebody else. What do you mean? I, if I just work hard and really it's so much more than that. It's about who, you know, what you look like, who your family is, who your parents are that opens doors. And some folks may not necessarily want to hear that, but that really is kind of the truth. Yeah. It is. And some people might try to underestimate or minimize how big of a truth that actually is, but it is. Yeah. And I think you also brought up something that I see uh, a lot is, you know, kind of being afraid to tell kids some truths Mm -hmm. because we don't want to crush their dreams or we don't want to make them feel bad about themselves. But the truth is all of us have inherent strengths and uh, skills. And sometimes they could use a little direction and even some admission of, or allowance of failure, right? Instead of saving our kids from making mistakes all the time, sometimes we got to let them fail so they can realize, oh, maybe this isn't what I should be doing. And sometimes we need them to fail so that they can know what it means to not be good at everything. Oh, a good loser. Like, mm. you know, there is yes. so much grace in losing and still respecting the winner. And it, it feels like society now makes it such a bad thing to not be first when second can be just as great. 
And and the truth is you're not going to be first your whole life. No, no. I, there's been many times where I have never been first. And if it's a running race, I would definitely have been last. <laughs> like, it's just the way it was. And the amount of like learning and dignity and pride in myself I have of that is good. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it is so true though, where we, we are so trained to think I am a better human when I land in first yeah. in, in whatever thing I'm doing. Yeah, we are. I guess for me, it, it makes the, sometimes the individualized part of the emphasis, there's, there's such an emphasis in the world about being this independent, this strong, this like, I don't need any one person. And Actually, it's just not true because we're, mm. we're born social people who who need connection, who need love, who, who you know, we're humans, right? And it, it feels like sometimes that is just so underestimated. I think you're so on track. And I, you know, if I come back to this analogy of the trees that we've been talking about in a world of social media and likes and, you know, we're all aiming to be the best most popular individualized tree, yeah. right? We want to be the tree in the forest that everyone knows is the best tree. Yeah. That's not really a good thing, right? I mean. Nor is it true because if we think about forest, right? There is no the best tree. They're always working together. Uh-huh. You know, we just don't get to see it because it's underground. It's at the roots. So there, there's always a connection, a community. There's always people helping. There's always something propping them up. So we we cherish the uniqueness and we value the diversity of it. You know, we need diverse people, diverse trees in order to have this like society that works. And yet the, the emphasis on being alone, being the strong one, being the person who always win, wins, sorry, um, just makes us lose focus or makes us again lose the very thing that we need to be happy, which is love and connection and support. I just love this, the, the image of these trees in the forest. I mean, I can think over and over how, how often I could use this in my everyday life. When I, when I'm feeling isolated, I can sort of picture myself as that lonely tree and the lack of protection, the lack of nutrients, the lack of connection to my community. When I'm feeling like I'm kind of on the outside of the forest, right? For whatever reason, I feel like I'm an outsider for whatever reason. I could just come back to this moment thinking, how can I get better connected and better grounded back to the forest. Yeah. Or you can go take a walk with the trees because mm. it reminds me of this of this quote. I don't know where I got it from, but it's like, you're never lonely when you're surrounded by trees in nature mm-hmm. because they're part of you. And yeah. so go up a tree. And so you're giving yourself the energy, the nutrients, the, the support that you need with another living creature. It may not be a human, but it's a way of, I don't know, placing your hand on the trunk, feeling their life force and regenerating yourself at the same time. It's why we often tell folks, get outside, take a walk. Doesn't have to be a, a strenuous walk, but it, it's really kind of that, even if people aren't realizing it, 
right? It's it's sort of happening, maybe even subconsciously. Without you even knowing, you, the moment you're going out, you're taking that walking, you're taking in the oxygen, the thing that the tree provides yep. you, you are coming back to yourself. Um, and the more that we encourage people, and I encourage you listeners to become intentional and put and like an active awareness on this process, the more you'll potentially feel that that nurturing and that that changing yourself. It's so good. And I think for me, and what I hope listeners also experience is this increased awareness, right? So if you're a person who maybe does feel, maybe didn't realize it, but you feel more connected to nature when you get outside, I think what we're saying is bring it to a conscious awareness instead of subconsciously bring it to the awareness and spend time being intentional about receiving the energy from nature, receiving the energy from the trees. And that conscious awareness, that that moment of coming back to yourself, then allows you to then take it forward with you. It's so good. It's so good. Okay. So I know that you um, have something interesting to say, because I can see it on your face. So <laughs> tell me the point that you, I, I can just tell. Yeah, I was trying to squeeze it in. And I was like, I don't know. I just wanted people to know, like, did you know that trees are adapting and self-generating so they self-heal and so I just wanted to say like it feels really important us thinking about like coming to therapy um, not being in therapy potentially and on this healing journey um, like trees when they get wounded when they get cuts what they do is they they actually self-heal themselves Um, how cool is that (laughs) it's so amazing I mean and I think about trees that maybe some of us have seen that have like carvings in them or like, you know, I don't know what other injuries do trees have except like man-made injuries, bugs, I guess. Bugs and stuff. But what happens is, is that they get, if they get cut, what they do is they create a knot. So, you know, the knots in the trees, Uh what they do is they direct the nutrients around it and they keep the knot and they adapt around it. So it's like they, they self-generate it. They self-generate by keeping sometimes the wound, keeping the hurt, but growing around it. And I just think that that is kind of really moving and really something to to learn from that we can have these things, we can create a knot over it, we can develop from it and yet still be okay. Okay. So I think about this within the context of trauma, right? So, you know, a person who may be listening, who's experienced trauma and they're, they, they sometimes have the internal message or someone has told them that they're broken or they're damaged. I can see how you might use this, but you know, do you reshift that narrative by using kind of this, this metaphor? Yeah. To help people understand how you can still grow and be okay. You know, sometimes I might invite people to go on a walk and look for the nuts and trees and to notice the ways that nature has learned to adapt despite you know the storms despite humanity you know you just have to go to a park and see how adaptive nature can be and so it's the the reminder that it's possible that sometimes people forget so it's a physical reminder of how no matter what happens we can learn to continue and grow we can adapt and continue to grow yeah 
We don't have to stay stuck there. We don't have to stay scarred there. We can grow and, and kind of mold around this thing that has happened. Yeah. It's so good. I'm so glad you shared that. It was so good to share. Okay. Dr. Kelly Savory, you just launched a website. You have Instagram. Tell people how they can find you. On um, Instagram and through my website, you can get me at Taproot Psychology, where I'll be sharing more of this information, more of my ideas. Um, And specifically on the Instagram, um, my focus is on helping people get grounded. So learning tools to help you come back to yourself. It's so good. I checked out your Instagram earlier this week and was, was loving all of the, all of the images. So I encourage folks to, to follow and um, yeah, check out your website. Cause I know you're, you're going to have um, some really great stuff there uh, for anybody who's interested. My work is make words matter for good.com. And uh, most of what I do is on Facebook, but some Instagram and I've started doing TikToks, which totally terrify me. Maybe I should do more of them outside. Maybe just that would be I just, yeah. Anyway, so um, my focus is on, yeah, those communication strategies to connect with folks. So um, thank you for being here, Kelly. It has been so fascinating, so fun, so empowering, really, uh, to hear your thoughts on how nature can help us. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's been really fun. It's great. All right, listeners, uh, until our next episode, thanks for listening to Things You Learn in Therapy. (laughs) 